0: Hello and welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at wideteams. This is episode 25. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. In discussing distributed software development teams, the conventional wisdom is that uh, distributed teams can succeed, but you just can't have a distributed startup. Uh, the, The pace of startups is such that you really need everyone to be in the same place. Well, in today's interview, I talked to a man who doesn't believe that, Jared Goralnik is an entrepreneur and the founder of awayfind.com, and we talked about what it takes to uh, make a geographically dispersed startup succeed, and how there may even be some advantages to having a distributed team for your startup. It's an eye-opening and myth-busting interview, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Hey, this is Avdi Grimm with WideTeams.com, and I am talking today with uh, Jared Guralnik. Is that how you pronounce your last name? That is right. Uh, thanks for talking to me today. Uh, Glad,
1: to have Glad to be here. Thanks.
0: Now, could you um, just tell me a little bit about uh, who you are, uh, where you are, and uh, and what you do?
1: Sure. Uh, thanks again, Avdi, for having me here. Uh, my name is Jared Guralnik. I am the founder and CEO of Awayfind which is a productivity application that helps you to check your email less often. Uh, I'll probably touch on that more later. Uh, I'm out of the San Francisco Bay Area right now, although I've been in the College Park and Washington, D.C. area for about 11 years.
0: Okay. Um, and um, can you tell me a little bit about your experiences, your history and experiences with distributed teams?
1: Sure. Um well, my previous business, Set Consulting, uh, actually employed people all over the place. So I, I started with this probably in about 2003 as my first experience working with developers all over the place in Australia, uh, in different parts of the country, like the middle, like the Midwest and San Francisco and Florida, as well as even just my local team was actually remote quite a bit. Uh, only in the very beginning did I really find that I at first wanted to really have people at the office, but uh, pretty soon after that, I saw the benefits of, of having kind of a distributed team. Uh, fast forward to today, and uh, now I have a remote development team. Uh, I consider them to be employees, but I have folks working for me right now in uh, Buenos Aires. I've got seven folks there, and then I've got a few people in the Washington, D.C. area as well. So there's about 10 of us, and we're distributed, and it works just fine. Uh took a little getting used to, but I think I've got some good processes in place, and I feel pretty comfortable with it.
0: Tell me a little bit about the uh, the drivers um, both in your your previous teams and your current team uh, that brought you to be a distributed team in the first
1: place Sure I think there's two good reasons why people should have people that aren't necessarily working on a site at least two good startup reasons when it comes to talent um, one is quality and the other is cost. hopefully they aren't you know you know inversely proportional but but I think the first case why I did it was is I had a team that or I, a company that that really built things on top of Microsoft Office. And if you were to look around, if you're a developer listening to this, you probably know that there aren't a lot of people that develop on top of Microsoft Word. Uh, you, you've heard of VBA, but it's not exactly something that you all of your friends do. For a so <laughs> I tech- actually have
0: written an, at least one application on top of Microsoft Excel, so I, I know where you're coming from there.
1: Sure, and Excel is different than Word. Um, right. A lot more people Excel and even more have done access. The more techie it gets, the more you know, similar it is to a database, the more right. common developers. Uh, Microsoft Word, which is our specialty, uh, it was really hard to find folks. And I ended up finding some people in a news forum for Microsoft Word, a news group online. And, you know, they tended to be all over the place. And the one expert that we found that was, you know, particularly amazing, who initially was just helping us and ultimately we took on as a team member, uh, was in Melbourne, Australia. And so for that case, it was definitely like, there wasn't talent that was nearby, so we had to go where the talent was, and I just, you know, recruited her from Australia. Um, in other cases, you know, it really depends. But in other cases, uh, it's been a matter of price. You know, you, you either can't find somebody who's only going to work a 10-hour project for, you know, under $100 an hour or something, or you're you're just looking for somebody to do, with, you know, whether it be a small project that you're kind of outsourcing, or whether you're looking for somebody to be in your team full time and you don't have. You know, hundred thousand dollars a year to pay them because of the stage you're at with your company. Um, there's there's different reasons. Now, if you're smart, uh, you can really balance those things. You can have a team that is um, that is you know less expensive than the top cost U.S. salary, but also at the same skill level. And I believe that's what we've the kind of balance we've achieved right now um, is we've got people that are really talented that are in a similar time zone. Uh, and, you know, are less expensive than a developer would be in the Maryland or Washington or San Francisco area. Mm. So have you
0: had, um, with a AwayFind, have you had a, uh, a distributed team pretty much from day one, or did that start out in one place?
1: So prior to a AwayFind, I was with another company, or I had another company, and AwayFind split off from that other company. Mm-hmm. And that other company, consultant which I mentioned earlier, was... Pretty much distributed. I mean, my bookkeeper would come into the office, and one of my developers would come into the office maybe once every other week. Um, but we were already distributed. So when I started with uh, with the Wayfind, um, we just continued with that process. I, when I started recruiting folks for you know positions that were a little bit outside of the skills of, of what second consulting did, i.e. Microsoft Office development, I tried different areas. I, I tried local developers. I tried people in India. I tried Pakistan tried vietnam i tried different places and ultimately ended up in buenos aires uh, but as i said i did try local as well um and it just sort of worked out that you know there was going to be distribution no matter what because my own personal lifestyle lent itself to you know being on the go mm-hmm. uh it was, it was both a personal decision and a practical decision
0: now there are um there's a lot of thought out there i mean that i that i've seen and, well let me let me ask you first can, um, is it fair to characterize uh, a wayfind as a startup
1: oh absolutely uh, there,
0: there so there's a lot of, of um, thought out there that i've seen that says okay yeah you can do distributed development um, at you know in in if you're doing like standard consulting or something like that but but uh, don't do a distributed uh, startup um you know, that that just doesn't work. I mean, do you have anything to say to that?
1: Ultimately, what it comes down to is, is in a startup situation, things can get tense and things need to move quickly, which means that you need to have rapport and you, have, you need to have good relationships and you need to feel really like you're on a team. Um, people, you know, use the word outsourcing. People use the term distributed team, sometimes interchangeably. And really, the difference between the two is the relationship you have with the rest of your team. Um, in a relationship where you're asking somebody to build something and then stop, that's typically outsourcing, and people don't usually take ownership, and they might not necessarily take pride in it. Um, in a relationship where you're building something continually um, and they're part of your team, to me, it doesn't matter where they are. It's just a matter of how you work with your team. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's all, part, all kinds of parts of the development cycle that con- consulting or um, or full-time um, lend itself to face to face. I mean, sometimes when you're working on designs together, it's nice to see things. Sometimes you're doing agile; it's nice to put a designer next to a developer. I mean, there's things that lend themselves to face to face, but those things lend themselves the same way with a just you know with a distributed team as with a project-based team. Um, but again, it's really just a matter of how you treat each other and what kind of rapport you have in terms of whether you trust yourself enough to work with people that are you know half an hour or you know half around the world away. Mm-hmm. And most people aren't good at managing those kinds of relationships. Most people really are not. And that's my firm belief about where teams fall apart that are distributed mm-hmm. is that, you know, they usually are outsourced. In other words, they're in another country, which I'm using that word in a different sense here. In other words, they're somewhere far away right. and not the same kind of mutual respect and rapport that you have. Um, if you have somebody that's in the next town over, even if, even if you never see them, mm-hmm. and that's necessary for, you know, for teams to work remotely.
0: Can I get you to expand a little bit on, on the, the, the idea that that, a lot of, that that not so many people um, are, are good at cultivating those relationships? Um, I mean, what are the skills that are necessary and what are the kinds of things that you need to do to, um, to build that rapport?
1: I mean, I think it all starts with respect and communication. Uh, and I think sometimes, you know, cultural barriers also get in the way. But ultimately, you need to be able to treat your team wherever they are as if they're the same people you would work beside. You need to, you know, you need to have banter. You need to have flow, free, free exchange of ideas, and you need to be able to assign them things in the same way that you would assign somebody that's local. So, if why is it that somebody who you work with in the same city, you might just tell them, hey, you know, I just need there to be a button there, and it needs to just work. And yeah, obviously, you need the error checking on the user form. If that's the kind of spec that you would give to a local person, then that should be the same kind of spec you give to somebody else. And what oftentimes happens is when people work on projects, they find themselves having to over things and, and really just treat it in a very different way. And I'm not saying you shouldn't write involved specifications, you should. And I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't have cases where you should just be able to communicate freely, which is important. It's mm-hmm. just that whatever the balance is that you want to, that, that you like to achieve with your communication, you need to make sure you're achieving the same sort of balance with your team that's further away. And I think that's harder because you don't naturally sit beside them and you don't naturally have a drink with them. You don't naturally, you know, just talk to them at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um all- things really help to build relationships so you have to go out of your way to do that whether it be you know setting up things like yammer and having little discussions or having happy hours over a video where you just drink you know at mm-hmm. five o'clock on a wednesday with your team in the various cities um or it means you know going down and visiting them um but most people that do outsourcing to india never meet their team now obviously that's not true with like how google or intel a- handles it but most mm-hmm. startups never bother to do that and when you miss out on that you miss out on the sense of ownership and the sense of you know the type of you know, team rapport. Mm-hmm. Uh, if one knows how to make up for those things, then one can definitely do development anywhere in the world. But mm-hmm. if one's going to treat them like, you know, folks that are doing contract work, and we all know what that's like, uh, it's more of a client relationship than it is a team relationship. It's just not going to work. And that's, I think, you know, most startups have, well, you know, I guess startup can be used for lots of things, for certain, I mean, Dig is a startup, but not necessarily, or Facebook is in some ways a startup by, you know, some classical definitions, but it's not the same way that, you know, a company with fewer than 20 people is a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and most startups in Silicon Valley, i.e., most companies that are failing and most companies that are fewer than, you know, they're, they're really tiny. They're like three or five people. They're, they're really young people that are starting these businesses. And these folks have very little business experience or management experience. So when you add that to the idea of working with somebody afar from afar, you know, it really doesn't jive because they don't even know how to manage a team locally where they see eye to eye, literally. Um, it gets even harder when you try to manage it somewhere far away because they don't know the, the, the pieces that come together or need to come together to just do mm-hmm. well. I mean, it's, it's basically like HR, you know. Most people, most startup entrepreneurs don't have HR skills. Uh, um, stuff you know, is, is essential and often... You know, it's often made up for with just energy and getting together for lunch every day. But it doesn't work the same way when you're talking about a remote team. You mm-hmm. need to work to achieve that, to, to create that culture.
0: You have right. To so that's it's it, that's interesting um, about you know the sort of people and the sort of skills and experience that that are needed. Um, is there a certain kind of person that you look for when you're building um, a, a, a distributed team, like when you're when you know you're not going to be be ne- sitting next to them? Um, I guess I'll say that's part one of a question. And part two is 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 that something uh, that can be taught, or is it just something they have or they don't have?
1: I mean, I suppose anything can be taught, but one doesn't usually have the patience for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it really depends on <laughs> you know, sort of like if you meet somebody at a bar and you want to hire them, and they might not have the right skills. And, you know, they're going to be able to come into your office. You can sort of coax them into getting good at something. But if somebody doesn't have the right skills and they're like, you know, a thousand miles away, it's much harder to teach them. You know, right. it, there, there are things that, you know, sort of like you can have a long distance relationship mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, a significant other. But it really does help if you started in the same city because you sort of have some norms in place first. So it doesn't mean it doesn't right. work the other way, but it's nice to start off with a little bit, you know, a little bit of a basis. And... When working with remote teams, it's definitely better if they've had experience doing, you know, project projects remotely and completing mm-hmm. them. Um, but as far as what I look for, um, I mean, I do look for past experience with with working remotely, uh, particularly with, with U.S. companies. In other words, you know, English speaking things like that. Um, time zones are very important to me, but I guess that's not a skill, but it really is important to me that we're going to have a significant, the majority of the day is going to have overlap. If there isn't overlap, the majority of the day. I don't even want to consider it because then you have to really, really communicate well through specifications. Mm-hmm. And I personally think that, you know, you know, when somebody can't just ask you a question on the fly, that really delays things. Yeah, it's nice that somebody can get work done overnight, but if three hours into it, they run into questions, they're either going to do working correctly or they're just going to stop and neither of those are good options. Um, so I think, you know, it's, if you want to over engineer things, it's great to have people working in different hours or if you're really amazing at specifications, but I'd much rather have a human relationship where we have back and forth when necessary as opposed to having to write out everything in such thorough detail. Um, but as far as the actual qualities, um, I would say that they need to be able to speak up. You know, they need to to be able to comment when they run into to, to issues mm-hmm. uh, because if they can't do that, then they're going to build the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good good referrals or very, very strong... Um, you know, um, uh, recommendations, uh, you know, referral calls, whatever those, you know, testimonies, all those other kind of things. Any social proof, you know, really, really goes a long way, but not so much the social proof that you see online with social media, because that can sometimes just be, you know, sort of fake, a bunch of people sort of shouting how, how great somebody is, but really talking to, to the people they've worked with in the past and digging deep can be really helpful. Um, but, and then probably the absolute most important thing alongside communication, is his ability to, to, to actually work independently, which I really only think comes from, or you can only judge by people who have done it in the past. You know, the first time somebody tries to work from home, they're either going to do really well or they're going to do really, really poorly because some people just aren't used to it and some people aren't motivated enough when they're not at the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people can't perform remotely, um, then they're just never going to be able to do it. And some people just really can't. Some people really need somebody sitting right next to them watching them, uh, mm-hmm. watching them, so... Fair enough. So communication and ability to work independently makes sense. Now, um,
0: as as you were um, uh, working in these these distributed teams, um, building them, was there ever were there ever an, a, a, any moments um, when you like, this really just isn't going to work? There were there any have to get over, or was it relatively straightforward?
1: Well, I mean, I guess the first thing is is you definitely hire people and let go of people. <laughs> right. uh, so the biggest issue, I mean, you could say it's me too, but the biggest issue is, is the relationship. If it doesn't grow and it doesn't work, you have to stop because you really can't correct them from afar. It's just not possible. You know, handholding in person is a little bit easier than handholding from afar. and I mean that, you know, both tongue in cheek and, and seriously. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, yeah, you have to be able to know whether there's that compatibility and you have to be able to, to let people go very quickly. If projects get behind scope in the first three weeks and, you know, you and you've already and you've worked with, I mean, you need to have the manager of a remote team needs to have at least the skills of being able to manage a, a local team. If they try to do a remote team and, you know, they don't know that they can manage well, then it's very hard to judge whether or not the team is on schedule or whether there's their own issue with management. Um, but if good, once you start getting a good feel for how long things should take, if you find that people are consistently not meeting those and you have to pull back. Yeah. Um, so that, that's definitely, you know, the main thing that usually, that usually comes up is, is whether or not, you know, you, the, the team is a, the person in a particular role on a team is a fit. Um, I think that's the main thing. And I'm sorry, you would ask, um, do I run into particular problems? Um, I haven't in a while because I feel like I've got the right team in place, but I definitely ran into problems that when I didn't have the right team in place and I wasn't always quick enough to let them go afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that that's, brings up something um, interesting that's interesting to me. Um, if if you're – well, let, you know, let's say I'm on, on one of your teams, um, because I think this is a situation that a lot of remote developers probably find themselves in. Let's say I'm, I'm on, on one of your teams um, – how do I know if I am sort of meeting expectations or, or not? Because I think that's that's one of those areas where it's more common for the 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 communication to break down is you know, you can get a little isolated and you're just not sure you're not sure if everybody's just being nice to you or whether they're genuinely, you know, they're they're happy with your work. Or, you know, they a lot of times you just don't get a lot of feedback unless there's something going wrong. So I mean, do you have anything to say about that?
1: Well, two things. Uh, one, I mean, you mentioned feedback, and I think that's really the key thing, is that there needs to be constant communication on both parties. When you are sitting next to each other, it's a lot easier to tell whether or not, you know, they like what you're working on, and it's also easier to iterate more quickly, and that's sort of a buzzword, but I mean, like, to see if what they just did over the last two hours was useful or not, you can tell when you're you're sitting next to them or you're in the next room in the office. Um, so that feedback loop needs to be a conscious effort as opposed to a, you know, passive you know, I look at the next version kind of thing. If you, you know, if you really want to know whether you guys are on the same page. Now that being said, you know, my team at this point, I can't talk to every developer every day. I, I mostly work with, um, as far as the seven developers in Buenos Aires, I mostly work with two of them, and to some extent, three of them. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like my channeling. So to, to make that. Um, to still keep that communication there. Obviously, I, I hope that they do a good job managing the folks that are beneath them, who I do work with, but just not every day. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, we, we use you know we use Track as our project management tool, and every week, you know, we we elevate or demote or reprioritize things so that so that there's an expectation for what needs to be completed, and we're pretty explicit about that. So um, I think that's you know having some sort of and I mean obviously know, this is no rocket science. Everybody I'm sure that's listening to this has some sort of project management tool. But being clear about the deadlines and being realistic about the deadlines um, really does help to know whether there's progress. And then, you know, constantly testing it and making sure things work. Um, but, but yeah, I think you know that constant feedback is is the best part. And then, tools that assist with sort of feedback in a automated fashion is, is the next component. Makes sense. So um, you have. You've
0: uh, written and spoken on the uh, the topic of organization personal organization and time management. Uh, do you have any insights into um, the in, into the sort of time management and um, and how that interacts with particularly with working um, with a dispersed team as opposed to uh, working in an office?
1: Well. I mean, I think the thing with with the remote team is you can't expect them to be there the exact hours that you would in an Like in an office, you know, generally speaking, I mean, maybe not with a tech shop, but generally speaking, you know, nine to five people are going to be there. Maybe at a startup, it's eleven to seven or eleven to nine, but but something to that effect is sort of a cultural norm. With remote teams, while it would be nice to have that same exact overlap, you know, the whole point to some extent of the remote team is to give people a little bit more flexibility. So there needs to be overlap, but it doesn't have to be the exact same thing, you know, when people go out to lunch or people go to the doctor. And I think that's part of the convenience and luxury of working remotely. Um, so with that in mind, I think you need to be a little bit more explicit about when you're going to be on with each other and you need to rely, much like you would with scheduling a meeting with a colleague, you know, that's not at your office, you need to rely a little bit more on calendars and things like that. So I think if you can get better at, you know, scheduling things, at least this how I find this helps me. Scheduling things as opposed to just expecting them to be there really helps. Now, I would expect that if I'm just trying to reach somebody at my team, that if I message them, you know, three times, you know, at like 9 a.m. and noon and three, I would hope that at least one and hopefully two of those three times, they're going to be at their computer. Um, but in terms of like a real solid meeting, I find that it's much, much better to actually schedule. Them. And, and that's really good for productivity, too, because you don't want to interrupt a developer when they're, you know, they're... In their, in, their, in their flow, you want to give them the expectation of when that meeting is going to come. And I don't like to use the word meeting because it, it sounds all big and fancy and, you know, really, you know, you know process-ridden and just not fun. But, you know, you need to talk to people. And I find scheduling those conversations to be a lot better. And me personally, I don't, you know, I, I have very specific times that I like to schedule for myself. And then I, I carry that over to my team as well. So, um calendaring is definitely a good component to time management and just trying to have generally, you know, consistent hours is, is really helpful.
0: Any Thoughts on, on scaling this. I mean, as, as, as the team grows, um, are there any issues there with, with becoming a larger uh, distributed team? Um, any, any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I mean, I can't speak from experience what it's like to have a team of, 40 people that are distributed, I mean, at a certain point, I think, um, you, you're, you're going to struggle to find people with all the right skill sets or behaviors to work remotely. Uh, I mean, some companies do it like WordPress, you know, dot, dot org or dot com. I mean, they, they both managed to do that, but I think those folks are really, really motivated and fairly self-selected from, you know, existing open source community. Um, when it comes to, to my company, I don't know that I could recruit another 20 people that fit that role and still be able to really see things clearly enough that, that they're, you know, they're working well together. Uh, I mean, 37 Signals manages to do it, but they also pay top dollar as opposed to, you know, the lower price. I mean, I think if I had, you know, $150,000 to spend on every developer, I wouldn't mind bringing some people in one room. Um, you know, I'm not saying I would get rid of my existing team, but I, I wouldn't mind the idea of having a little bit of collaboration with a few people that are really solid, um, in a local setting, you know, in one specific location, um, because there is a lot of communication that can be gained from that. Um, I mean, I'm not, in other words, people shouldn't specifically choose to do remote teams unless there's some sort of reason. And that reason, it can be financial. It can be for quality or it can be for lifestyle. But if none of those situations fit and or there's a challenge with with trying to use remote teams, then then being together in the same place is good. Um, unless one, you know, is really, really into the idea just in its theory and its principle, then I don't think one should try to remain completely distributed. I think a better model is to have some core location, because the advantage of having people face to face is it really helps to create a culture. And I think to create a culture remotely is very difficult which doesn't mean that everybody couldn't work remotely, but I think there would need to be some more expectation for how often you have face-to-face once your team is much bigger because then you can you can use the face-to-face meetings as kind of an excuse to work in culture. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's an excuse, but it just sort of happens because, you know, you sort of jive in a certain way and you build rapport that way. And then when you're working remotely, you're kind of just weaning off. You're, you're kind of you know, still enjoying that same, the same norms you set face to face. Because even with my team as it is today, um, I mean, I've seen them a few times, uh, the ones in Argentina, I've seen the ones that are local a lot more, but I've seen the ones in Argentina a few times. And I really think that those, those visits, go, you know, add immensely to it. But if I were to have a lot, a lot of people, I think an office would be a really good way to start creating that rapport. And then if they wanted to work remotely, They could do it all the time. If they wanted to work in the office, they could do that all the time. But I think at least a core group of people setting the culture and being in the same place would be really helpful. And it would encourage getting together for for brainstorming and drawing and meetings and things like that. That that would be useful Mm face-to-face. Some things are going to be easier face-to-face no matter how you slice it. It's a question of how much you want to push the envelope.
0: Right. Um, So assuming um – Assuming a uh, there's a group that that or a, somebody who's putting together a um, a distributed team uh, that you know they've, they've for for one of those reasons that that you discussed uh, is there one sort of overarching uh, piece of advice that you would give them?
1: I would say treat them like they're the same person you would try to hire locally. Just don't treat them any differently. Treat them very very well. Treat them with respect. You know. And, and be giving and communicate with them all the time. And, you know, if you normally would get lunch with somebody, then try to find a way to make up for that thing that you're missing. So just really treat them equally. And I think that, you know, you'll be treated the same way back and you'll have rapport on a relationship as opposed to a contractor consultant relationship.
0: Okay. Um. Okay, well, um, before we go, is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners about uh, uh, your company or any projects or websites or anything else?
1: Sure. I hope they'll check out my product, which definitely helps with uh, with being able to work more productively, which, you know, obviously working from home and and closing, you know, one of the advantages of remote teams is, is being able to work independently and being able to be focused. And our product really takes that to another level by allowing you to focus and not have to check your email constantly. Um so awayfind, which is at awayfind.com, monitors your inbox for urgent messages and then texts you or calls you or very soon pushes to your Android or iPhone device when you have something urgent so that you don't have to be in your email all the time. Uh and instead you can focus on developing software or doing what you do. So I don't right. check. <laughs> What's that? I hope they check it out, and I'm glad to hear you're a user as well. and That's great. Yes. I yes, a I,
0: I am an AwayFind user. And I've i found it very uh very helpful in uh, sort of getting a, a level of email sanity, um and uh, and getting some more focus. So I vouch for it. All right, Jared. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time time to talk to me.
1: I really appreciate that, and uh, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Wide Teams Podcast. Please visit us on the web at wideteams.com to leave feedback and enjoy more articles, screencasts, and conversations about dispersed teams. The Wide Teams Podcast is a service of Shiprise LLC and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Our music is by Giles Bouquet. Until next time, this is Avdi Grimm signing off